2: y'all doing out there welcome to hug it out america radio where we shrink the divide one caller at a time here today we got a great guest on track today he is an artist not far up the road for me <clears throat> doing some spectacular things excuse me with his works on the canvas but also his works in his neighborhood and his community so i'm looking forward to having him in First, I want to tell you what we got coming up tomorrow. Tomorrow we have a special day um, in this new normal quarantine world we're living in. Um, We're going to have a special day dedicated to parents out there who might have a kid that struggles with ADHD or other mental um, things, (laughs) they struggle with it and during this time when when we're at home stuck um those struggles can be a little more difficult um and how we deal with them and it's good to talk about them i myself have a child with adhd and um this this time of anxiety and not knowing what's coming next can be really hard on your kids and hard on your whole family so i decided to change things up tomorrow um and let parents call in who want to talk about that. Just share their stories, give their advice, ask their questions, or just let it all out. And then on um, Friday, we got a musical guest coming in. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little trouble in my throat today. Um, his name is Mark Zeus. He is a longtime musician. He's a great songwriter. He plays guitar amazingly. He uh, normally is out on the road at this time, but with this coronavirus thing, he's got some time. He's agreed to come in and come talk to us about his music. He used to have his own um, music uh, concert hall, I guess I'd call it, where he had all types of music. Um, And then he recently shut that down to focus on some other stuff. So he's going to come in tomorrow and talk about his music. We're going to play some of his music, and we're just going to, like we're sitting down every day, sharing a sharing a drink and just talking. No, no, real real format. Just let it talk like you're talking to a friend over a drink. So I'm not sure where Chris is. I'm gonna try to give him a call here and see what's going on. Um, you hold on just a second, and I'll be right back with you. I sent him a text. I'm sorry. I don't have a fancy studio here. This is as grassroots as you get on the seeds here. Basically, I have to run the keyboard, um, run the control panel, everything. And um, I'm not sure why he's not calling in yet, but I'm sure he will. He may have gotten held up. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him and how I met him. Um, Let's see. He's calling me on the line. Hold on just a minute. Sorry. Chris, that you?
1: That's me. How you doing?
2: How you doing? Sorry. Got things going here. This, the magic of technology, the pain in the butt of technology. I'm glad you could call in. I appreciate it. Thanks. How's your day going?
1: It's going pretty good. Thank you for having me, Billy. I appreciate you. Can't yeah, complain. Yeah, I appreciate it's really you nice probably
2: out. more than you appreciate me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I know I appreciate no. you as much as you appreciate me. We can there have we that, go. that that discussion another time. Um, yeah, so what I want to start out is I want to talk, first talk about how I met you, um, tell the listeners, and then we can get into all the amazing artwork and things you're doing in your community, okay? Okay. So Chris I met, I um, was in Springfield. I My daughter goes to school in Springfield, so I pick her up. On occasion And uh, we went by the Dr. Seuss Museum We've been there before And at that particular time I did not eat any lunch We were both really hungry Me and my daughter And we decided just to walk down the street From the Springfield Museum I mean the the Dr. Seuss Museum And we ran into Actually I didn't even notice My daughter Savvy noticed His cool store with the great paintings in the window And the uh, words of wisdom Right?
1: Yes, sir. Words of Wisdom Art Studio.
2: Words of Wisdom Art Studio. I want to make sure I get it right there. And she knows, and she, my daughter, just kind of acts like she owns the world. world. She walked right in the door, walked up to Chris, and we just turned around and looked at all this amazing artwork. And I got to know a little bit about that. I don't think I ever would have known him if it wasn't for my daughter Savvy and me having to get a bite to eat looking for a sandwich somewhere because the art museum was closed. So... That's where I, I just wanted to let how I met Chris, and it's kind of a, a synergy thing that happened with us, so I want to let him take it from there, and he can tell you about what, what he he does in his art studio instead of me, because he understands it better than I do. So, Chris, tell, tell, me, tell us a little about your art studio first, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. So... It was, um, as you know, I don't uh, own the space anymore, looking for a different space, but it was about 3,500 square feet, Um, I had artists uh, from the local area of Springfield and any surrounding towns and cities, uh, and I allowed them to come and bring their artwork, showcase it, sell it, and uh, practice uh, ownership and being entrepreneurs, and the... The the precipice of everything that was going on was just keeping the community involved in relevant culture and different uh, aspects of togetherness when it came to doing art and participating in the arts, especially when it had to do with children. Uh, We tried Mm -hmm. to incorporate as much of the art process and learning process in children's lives as much as possible. So we uh we were involved in a city-wide uh event for about a week and we actually extended it for the whole summer and what it was called Art Stop and what this was was all the art galleries in the cultural district district downtown uh would basically leave their galleries open to the community and the public and allow them to come in and see their art from a certain Mm -hmm. period of time and even uh, participate in some of the activities that they may have had. Uh, I took it upon myself to not only have activities but offer it for free to families, kids, and this was every Friday from 5. PM to eight PM and uh we just had a lot of fun every single weekend and this went on all summer long.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh yeah, it was a great time. That was just one of the many different events and um uh, you know, things that we were doing there as far as keeping the arts and culture alive in the community.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um that was a big part of I think Springfield as a whole, and can't wait to get back into it.
2: And so just so the listeners me. know, you're Springfield, Mass. I don't even think I said Massachusetts, so they know. Yes, yeah,
1: Springfield, are
2: Springfield, because there's a lot of Springfields in this in this country. So yes, and 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 you grew up here, right?
1: Yes, I did. I actually was born in Boston, and I moved to Springfield when I was about eleven. And I've pretty much been here ever since.
2: And, you know, I've seen some of your great artwork. Were you always into art when you were a kid? Did you do a lot of art art stuff as a kid?
1: Yes, I did. I didn't necessarily take it as serious as I did mm-hmm. as an adult. But I've always been into art and taken upon myself to do little solo art projects just to see what I've come up with. So yep.
2: So so, what did you do in high school? What's the main thing you did in high school? I would have thought you would be art; would have been your focus. But
1: well, no. When I got to high school, I kind of lost uh, a bit of my want to do art and really got into sports, uh, mm-hmm. playing basketball, and I really got into music as well, and uh-huh. I kind of left the the drawing, the painting. To the side a little bit. I mean, I did my little doodles on the side, but nothing major. And uh, yeah, I definitely uh, didn't really focus on art much in high school. So yeah, I can't tell you what I did.
2: And now, now, and so what's amazing to me is how did you come up with this idea? When, you know, not to just use art to finance yourself, but to help out your community the way you did. Actually beautifying your own neighborhood by helping people out around there.
1: Yeah, no sweat, no problem. So what it was is just a need that I saw in my own community for two main things that I saw really uh, relevant to the demographics of my community, who we are, what we look like, and what we're into. So the Mm -hmm. first thing that I seen that we needed was just a space where people can come and be themselves without fear of scrutinization, express themselves without fear of scrutinization or opinion. And we just really didn't have that. And the second thing that I felt like we really needed was a space to be entrepreneurs and a chance to be independent uh, money makers of ourselves. So those two things we really needed. We needed a, a space to make money uh, basically in a space to be oneself and make money creatively and artistically without fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And I set out to do that because the, unfortunately the Springfield area in Massachusetts just really didn't have those things to offer. And Mm -hmm it's almost like Springfield was behind because I would travel to other cities and they would have um, similar, maybe similar things to WoW where they would have, you know, underground, uh, maybe let's say like a skate facility or underground uh, clothing shops where people were kind of uh, clubbed in, in a sense where they were just a niche crowd and they all knew each other and they all hung out and so to speak. And, I like that idea, but I didn't like the idea of the exclusivity and the exclusiveness of that. So I kind of just, like I said, opened it up to my whole entire community. No matter what mm-hmm. you are or what you look like, you know, as long as we share the same common ideas and we're trying to get somewhere uh, independently and make some money and be creative at the same time and be innovative at the same time um, mm-hmm. without sacrificing, you know, what you believe in. As far as your art is concerned uh, I think we we achieved that, and um it was a good go
2: and How old were you when you you started this idea?
1: Uh, I think let's see so words of wisdom art studio is a a fragment of an idea of a much Mm -hmm. bigger idea so when I was I'd say at the age exactly probably 15, 16 I started with one large uh, idea for something much, much bigger than what WoW was Mm -hmm. and and in turn I needed a space like WoW uh, in what I was trying to build from the beginning and when it came to pass when I got a little bit older, the opportunity for a space like WOW manifested itself before anything else did as far as my dreams are concerned. So it kind of just aligned with what I was going to do anyway. And like I said, the opportunity manifested itself for me to just take advantage of a space like that. And I uh, went head first.
2: Well, and um obviously, most probably nobody's been to the space that's listened to this radio show, but I can tell you what I like about the space is you fill it up with all kinds of art. It's like a phone book of art. Any letter of the alphabet is up there, and it's constantly changing. Every time I go in there, you'd have new work up there, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And that was that was a beautiful thing about it and that's the great thing about opening it up to your community because you never know what your community can produce as far as diversity is concerned in the art world and you know i just opened the floodgates and let the art just pour in and be represented in its you know most purest form and And, and and they just bring you the pain right
2: and then yeah absolutely you look at it. I mean, how's the process work? I never. I want I understand the process better. How it goes about?
1: Sure. So any uh, artist from the community would uh, just approach me, and, and uh, they would bring their artwork, and we'd sit down and we'd come up with a price that we both more so the artists uh, want it to be sold for, mm-hmm. and we just come up by given my uh, basic formal contract, basically stating that, um, you know, artwork will be sold at this price. And when it is, the gallery is to be broken off this amount of percentage, so on and so forth. And it just keeps it really simple. You know, artists understood that, okay, if I'm going to sell my painting for $100, I have to give the gallery 20% of that $100. So they keep mm-hmm. 80, the gallery keeps 20. You know what I mean? It was a really simple process. People could really understand it. Um and there's, there was no fine print. It was just, you know, almost a gentleman's contract. You know, it's you know, we, we're both artists. I just happen to be the owner. And we're both trying to uh, get our creative minds out there and our creative works out there. And, you know, we're pretty much just doing whatever it takes to help each other do just that, you know.
2: Well,
1: well it let just me really tell you one thing.
2: About your 20%. That's completely fair. So you may know this, but I've been a freelancer for a long time, and I'm on a lot of freelance websites all over the block, Upworks and Guru and everything. And they charge 20%, and they don't do anything like what you're doing. I mean, you give it up on them. You help them try to sell it. You're doing a lot for that small part, so I think you're doing really good doing that. And the second thing I want to I want to talk about that I don't think many really people think about is most art galleries are kind of snobby about what they'll let up on the on the walls. You have to go through a process to get up there. Wait, I don't know that doesn't make our style. I think it's so cool that you just you know you got a painting, put it up here. I can help you sell it. I can help pull your artistic ideas out there, and I can help you make some money at the same time to use this vision to get what you want. I think that's amazing. I don't know if you, I don't know any other art galleries that do that. Do you?
1: Well, no. And that was the thing I think that really stood out about wow, because I'm not your traditional art gallery owner. I'm, you know, I don't come from money, so I don't have a particular uh, style that I've been Mm -hmm. raised on as far as art is concerned or was exposed to as far as art is concerned. You know, so mm-hmm. that didn't give me any boundaries. You know, that didn't give me any restrictions on uh, the creativeness and how I would let people express themselves. And I feel like some of, if not the most, one of the most important things and aspects about WoW that existed, and I encourage, honestly, all galleries to be this way. And, and it's because I understand that, you know, artists, art galleries have a demographic that they're trying to, Uh, feed so to speak Um, but at the same time I think that if they understood that people buy what you put out no Mm -hmm. matter what because if it's relevant and it's good work
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you don't put a stamp and if you're not putting a stamp of so-called upperclassmen or upperclassiness or a certain level of uh, prestige And you just take the artwork for what it is as far as quality is concerned.
0: I think that,
1: yeah, authenticity, originality, and just the the quality, you know, um, how much work the artist put into it. You can tell. Art art is very easy to look at, and you can kind of tell what was done to this and what wasn't done to it. And um, if we kind of just went off that as a country, as a people, as a nation, as a world. I think that we'd be able to see each other in a different light, in a better light, in a brighter light, as opposed to this art's good and this art's bad, this art's classy, this art's trashy, this art... You know what I mean? It's the the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing what we do to each other as people, and we just put each other in different classes. Yeah, we just put each other in different classes, and what that ends up happening is we have, you know, people looking down on other people for reasons that aren't relevant that have to do with character. You know, they're looking down on people for, you know, other reasons that have nothing to do with anything that is uh, morally uh, sufficient.
2: Well, that, I mean, that's why we get along so good, Chris. Brothers from another mother, we have, you know, the same ideals in the way we think about the world and the way we should work together, how we should come together and not be split apart by classes and all, and 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 money and all this because underneath we're all only human being, right? I mean that, that's what true. we got going on. The most the most thing in common is what we got. I mean all the little things we get caught up in is the it's the humanity that matters. And I see that right. through your artwork a lot. Um, so I have another question that I've, I've had in my mind for a long time, but I never asked you, and I just now remembered it when I saw your name again. So if you're an art gallery, right? And your place is called Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom. Why that name? I know there's a story behind that.
1: Mm. Absolutely. So Words of Wisdom Art Studio uh, comes from the word wow. Basically, I was sitting home one day uh, with my girlfriend and was just uh, jotting down stuff in my idea book and kind of mm-hmm. bouncing ideas off of her at the same time. And kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, I think I said the word wow after I thought of the phrase words of wisdom. So I said to mm-hmm. myself, maybe I should name it words of wisdom because I want to do poetry, I want to do art, and I definitely mm. want it to be a place of wisdom where people can really grow and learn. And then after I said those things, I said, wow. And then it really just hit me at simultaneously, words of wisdom, (laughs) wow. And then uh, I really started to build more ideas off of that uh, foundational uh, wordplay. And here we are. So
2: you do poetry too. I didn't know that.
1: Absolutely. And that was one of, of the events that we used to do. At WOW as well, we used to have poetry events, spoken word. Because, you know, as you know, uh, those are all art forms as well. Oh, yeah. And Wisdom Art Studio was a really big space, and we had two stages, which allowed us to utilize that space for, you know, different programs and events, like Poetry Slams and um, hip-hop shows and any type of expressive art form you could really think of. um, I was willing to allow it because of the versatility and culture I knew it would bring, which is what, you know, I'm trying to achieve.
2: Yeah. So I wanted to talk about something specific. I want to talk about, you know, if um, I want to talk about how I started first working with you. So I was going to tell a little bit about what I go on and how you fit in real quick, Chris. So I have this thing I've done called Hug Out Hate. It's this series of artwork where people do a – where an artist does a painting of somebody hugging another person. It's the most unlikely person you would think a person would hug whether no matter who that would be and the idea is if you see that idea on canvas then that idea can happen in reality to make that happen so i had done one other piece before the one i got with with chris where i had a black lives matter person hugging a trump supporter and 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 that was actually based on a reality of a black a, a trump um basically rally where they allowed a Black Lives Matter man named Hawk Newsom to come up on stage for a guy named Hedges Hodges who was running the event and they ended up having a hug out moment to let him speak to the people and it was a pretty amazing thing. So that was my first piece. Then when I ran into Chris, I asked Chris, I said, Chris, I said I, I said, I want you I told him about my hug out hate idea and I said, I want you to think about in your community where you live who are the two least likely people to hug that you could think of? And I gave him, I don't know, like four or five days, and we we talked about it again, and he said he came up with an idea. And um, I want to get you to talk about that idea and that pain you did for me, if you don't mind, Chris.
1: Yeah, I don't mind at all. So basically uh, we have here in Springfield – a few street gangs that I grew up around uh, due to where I grew up in Springfield. And uh, one of the main gangs, uh, two of the main gangs is Sycamore and Ave. So these two gangs have been rivals. Sycamore,
2: what was the other one? I'm in
1: sorry. And Ave, Eastern Ave. Oh,
2: yeah, that's right.
1: And I wouldn't even really, they don't really consider themselves I wouldn't necessarily say a street gang because um, it—it's just people who grew up in those neighborhoods, and if you're from that area, it's kind of what you went with at that time. From when I—when I was growing up, at least. And um, I just watched my cousins, uh, a couple of my friends get killed, and I—I kind of—I really didn't understand what it was all about, honestly until I got older and I got a chance to talk to some of the older guys. And um, what I really came to understand was it could have really been all avoided, all the death and all the bloodshedding, it could have really been unavoided if there was an understanding. And the understanding was uh, never really given to anyone in the community as far as each other really not being the enemy. Um hmm and the problem kind of manifested itself in the way of street violence, where you got brothers from one side of the street uh, killing brothers from the other side. And it just it just was just pure nonsense. And all my life, I got a chance to just witness it and kind of suffer from it, because like I said, it took a couple of my family members and friends as well, a couple of kids I went to school with, a couple of my family members. And um, what I got the opportunity uh, from you, Billy, when you asked me to uh, paint two people that would never hug each other. It was kind of a no-brainer because, like (laughs) I said, I've watched these two people, I mean, these two sides kill each other. And I know how they are when they get in the same room. I know what happens when they get in the same space. Um, There is no hugging going on, period. (laughs) And um, I felt like it was a need to depict that. Because, as you know, life imitates art and art imitates life. Yep. Hopefully, um, my community will embrace itself in that manner and Eastern Ave and Sycamore will stop beefing because the amount of manpower that these two groups have and the amount of uh, finances that these two groups can muster, they Mm -hmm. could actually really do some positive uh, things in the community and change it for the better. Forever, honestly. I I know the power that they have and the potential. But, you know, unfortunately, so much blood has been shed throughout the years. Um, It's going to take a lot of patience and a lot of understanding on both sides to overcome uh, all the trials and tribulations that both Mm -hmm. sides have been through. Mm -hmm. Because they're all kings at the end of the day. They really are. They're all really brilliant smart brothers, uh, ambitious, uh, Mm -hmm. really uh, self-driven. They're just misguided and, you know, blinded by anger. And it's hard to see past that sometimes.
2: And I, if if y'all are streaming this right now, you can see right on the page a a picture of this painting that Chris painted for me. And if you'll notice, it's a big painting, man, y'all. It's a huge painting. And that's what I dig about Chris. Is he When he paints stuff, I have no idea what size canvas he's going to. The first one he did was even bigger than I thought he did one. He did a painting of my daughter for her room, and it was big. And my wife said, man, that's a big painting. I said, hey, Chris paints a painting the size of the canvas he thinks it can be. And he puts his love and his creative spirit on that painting. And we made room for that painting. And then I didn't, I didn't really know how big it was, with Chris, right? And i have been on my my hug tour across the country, and I came back, and I went to your store, and I saw how big that is, and I thought I'd be able to fit in my an SUV, and I couldn't fit it in, right?
0: right I got my I remember. daughter, we
2: got the tape measure not going. But what I dig about that is he, he, he just makes these big canvases with his big idea and his big love all over them. And if y'all were looking at that piece right now, Look at it while you're streaming. And I want um, Chris to kind of explain to me about the ideas. You remember it, right, Chris?
1: I do remember it.
2: Yeah, so can you explain, you know, the heart and all that, what you had in mind? Because I-, I love the vision you had on that.
1: Sure, no problem. So, as you know, Bill, you asked me to uh, just incorporate your Hug It Out America idea into what I felt was necessary in a vision for uh, two people who would never be hugging each other to hug it out. And basically it was, it was really, you, you Bailey, really made it easy for me because all, you know, what you basically said was use your artistic creativeness and use, you know, the Hug It Out America idea and just put it together. And like I said, for me, it was a no brainer because when you told me, obviously about your idea, Hug It Out America, I thought that was a great idea. I thought, that uh, we should definitely be doing this more as people. And then when you commissioned me to do the piece, it kind of just, it kind of really came together really easily. It wasn't even nothing I really had to think about um, the matter of getting all the supplies for that huge painting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was probably the hardest part, getting all the paint. (laughs) (laughs) getting all all the wood.
2: I bet you that was hard. It still has not found a place in my house yet. I'm still looking for a wall. <laughs> it's been moved around in my house, and I show it to everybody. Obviously, not many people coming to my house now, but um, when they see it. And I'm trying to find the right wall. And as you know, I was going to open up that um, that art studio called One Love, and I was going to put your painting and some other paintings on there. But that kind of got delayed, which made me start this, this radio thing going on, you know. And it, it's really good having you on here to talk about this stuff and talk about all the stuff you're doing. One question that, that crossed my mind as you doing poetry? Have you ever seen this? My daughter showed me this po- poem from that gets at poetry slam. This guy named Marshall Davis Jones. You ever heard of him?
1: Who? Marshall Davis again. Jones. Mark Davis Jones. No, I'm Marshall.
2: Not Marshall Davis Jones.
1: You no, know, I, I would have to look them up I don't think I've heard of him.
2: You should look him up. My daughter, my daughter's always finding these things that I I don't know where they are. And it's a uh, it's a poem called Touchscreen, and it's how we are so locked into technology and connected through technology and not humanity, and it is dope. Is so all I'll say about it. <laughs> Bring back an old school word. Look it up. Yeah. Marshall Davis Jones, y'all on YouTube, touchscreen, and let me know what y'all think about it. I'm curious what you think about it, Chris. I think it's amazing. I think it got um runner up prize to a big poetry event. It's 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 pretty old, but my daughter drug, drug it up on YouTube. I think it's I don't have the exact I think it's two thousand eleven at the second place. His is, actually his nickname is Marshall Soulful Jones. And you might okay. want to look that up, Chris.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to take a look at that once we're done.
2: I, I think you'll be really impressed by it. I think it, it, it's deep. It's so deep, but the rhythm and rhyme to it kind of remind me like a Eric B. and Rakim thing going on. They got oh, a okay. flow to it. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So another thing I want to talk about is I want to find out what happened? What, with, why did you have to close the place down? And then talk talk a little more about and what you're looking for and how we can maybe work with the listeners and try to help you get something going again because what you're doing needs to be done in the community, need to be done in your community, need to get that idea spreading forward and alight other people to do it. So I want to hear a little bit about what happened and what you're looking to do forward.
1: Absolutely. So, Wow, for me, and I think all of my associates, was not only a great experience, but a really big learning experience. And what we really learned is that ownership is key. So with art, you have good months and you have slow months. And unfortunately, that's not conducive to renting a space when you have to pay rent. And you have to pay light and gas and all those things every month uh, on a timely manner. And when you have those slow months, uh, as business owners know, that can really stifle uh, your bill paying process. That can stifle how you pay your employees. And Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is you have to go into your own pocket and kind of compensate the losses of business. And that's not something you want to do for too long because you end up going bankrupt. And what I realized is, like I said, ownership. So as a community, um, what we're trying to do now and all support is, is welcomed is find a piece of land, possibly a lot, maybe a few acres where we can build something like this on and it'd be a permanent structure and owned as a co-op of artists and it would never be able to be uh, taken so to speak and it would be a permanent you know space for culture and community to come and meet and be themselves and express their art and just you know not be so intertwined in technology and not so be intertwined in the the small petty things in life and really just uh be you know. So mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for right now. Just uh, a nice space, a nice piece of land where we can uh possibly build a nice size gallery on and you know a space would where it be in the Springfield be-
2: area or where would it be?
1: Uh it would be in the Massachusetts area. Uh it could it would we would want it to be in the Springfield area. Uh, but we're willing to travel at least, you know, at the most, probably 30, 45 minutes out of Springfield, if need be, um, because the demographic that we're trying to uh, feed, so to speak, is in Springfield. Um, yeah. And the need for a space like this is in Springfield. So we would like to keep it as local as possible. Mm-hmm. And
2: what um – what has to happen? You just got to find that space now, or what?
1: What? what Pretty you much. I mean, we're even looking at. Yeah, we just have to find that space, and we have to uh, also raise the funds. We've been looking even at some uh, abandoned houses that we could renovate uh, into a space like that, because you know, as you know, I can build anything, I can frame anything, and yep. some a lot of my associates can do the same skills as well. So it really wouldn't be too much of an issue if we just got the space. You know, we can pretty much take it from there. And basically we just need the finances. We have to raise more finances. And
2: finances.
1: And, those, and what are you doing yeah. to raise
2: that now? What are you doing to let, to to try to raise that money? Because you're doing a public good.
1: Absolutely. So we just we take any type of uh, donation. Uh, we are – basically saving our own money from our own ventures um, mm-hmm. and we're just putting it to the side. And yeah, we're just, we really haven't started an, a national public fund yet for the space. Um, we're just doing it really more so on our own and friends and family just helping out and the the diehard community members that have been with us from the beginning. Um, I really I would really want to get A public foundation started For something like this I would love for you to be Involved in it as well okay. um, Because like you know It is important for the community And they really need to know And be on the same page As far as what we're trying to do
2: Well and, and half, half the thing Chris is Not many people Have the heart and the drive And the talent to do the things that you're doing so people out there in radio land or wherever has got to realize that. And what Chris is doing is a thing that I want to help any way I can help finance. Is there any way where our listeners can come in to, to give some money to help in this process? Um, I want to, you know, do whatever I can. Encourage anybody out there to help help Chris out, you know, maybe find that place or find a way to get it financed. The only thing this man ain't got is the finance. He's got everything he got to pull out that bus down the road and make it a love bus with everybody on it. Right, Chris?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: So, what was there? Do uh, you have anything set up where people go, Fummy page or anything going on?
1: Right now, you can go to uh, ourjourney.com. Um, okay. And. Yep, and you can Cash App do that, or you can just take my phone number and I we can set up a meeting in a time and a place,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or anything like that, or maybe a phone conference. Uh, I don't mind. My phone number is four one three eight two one four zero nine six, and uh, yeah, that's uh that's my personal phone number if anybody wanted to contact me and get in touch with me as far as this is concerned maybe we can build something together like I said Billy this is definitely you know something I want you involved in you know we're good buds we know each other pretty well
2: I, I'd and, like um, to I don't know a lot about like it people, I'm going to be honest
1: <laughs> oh that yeah, it's, all, it's all it's pretty simple um, it is exactly what you've seen it when you came to WOW it would never yeah, I mean, I want really help change. out in any
2: way I can you know, and I and oh, okay. I have friends all over the country too, because 'cause I've lived so many damn and if places. If people want to donate to you
1: and if people huh? want to donate to you and if people want to give you the funds for me because they can't, you know, uh figure out but it's easier to do it through you because they already know you, that's fine. I definitely welcome uh-huh. that. I trust you, Billy. I know that uh your heart's in the right place. So yeah, I think my we should set up a that.
2: GoFundMe page. People familiar with that.
1: Yeah, that that'd, that'd be nice.
2: I think I will work with you on that. I I don't I I didn't think of that. You know, things just kind of come to me. That's what it's like. It's like we're sitting down having a beer, talking about ideas. Things come out, right. and I think a good one. and I think I'd be a good one. You know, because people are familiar yeah. with that. And there's so many other things, man, that people get money to the craziest stuff you ever hear in the world. I don't I don't, oh, I don't yeah. know if you remember, but <laughs> in the summer, there was this thing for this. I think it was a baby trump balloon and it was at a football game and they put it up and somebody financed to put this baby trump balloon all this money and then somebody came by and popped it go figure how that ever happened somebody popped a baby wow. trump balloon at a football <laughs> game where politics aren't supposed to be part of it at all and they right. did another fundraiser to pay for the damn thing and they got the money Right. Now if that crap deserves money. Yours deserves way more money than that. That's like the biggest waste of money in the world. I'll say it right now. What you're yeah, doing is we do is... It and
1: we do do a lot of that. You do what? Wasting money.
2: Yeah, we, we do. We do. But what I'm saying we is, really do. I I think people can can get behind this. I think we can get that going. And I, I can work on that. And every time I talk to you and all the things you're doing, I just get more and more. Passionate about trying Because you're doing such a good thing And when you got these people with these little seeds Doing things you got to nurture that seed so they can grow a big old tree And spread around the world that's I what agree with you 100% Yeah the, the, Yeah so let's uh, nothing, do that I then Let's, let's get a GoFundMe you about, started What you say?
1: We, we should definitely do that then We should definitely get a GoFundMe started
2: I, I would, I, I've done a couple of them Um and I, I will get. we will talk about that, get that set up, and I will put it on the link on this thing once we get it. They don't take that long. I just want to make sure we get the right info in there from you, a couple right. of pictures. Um, because of authenticity, it has heart, it has reach out, it has about bringing everybody together. We need that in this nation more than anything. I mean, you know the name of my thing, Hug It Out America Radio. You know? Right. So it's right in line with my mission for this this country and this world, right? Right. I have another friend in um, New Orleans who's also an artist friend, and we had an interesting discussion, and and I don't know, you might not want to talk about this, but we we were having a discussion, and he was saying that in the art industry that um, there are a lot of people that are the rich people and the people that are funding it that are making all the money. And then the artists, and I don't know, artists are not making that much money and all these big corporations, and that money's not coming back to the artists, and it's tough. I mean, has that been your experience?
1: Yeah, Absolutely, and uh, that's another reason why WOW uh, was much needed, because artists weren't seeing the money off of their art. They weren't getting the percentages that were yeah. fair and due to them. Uh, corporate America has definitely uh stifled artist work if you you can go to Walmart right now and pick up multiple paintings and different uh types of art that have just been uh either remanufactured or just been uh manufactured in the millions you know just stamped on a a piece of paper and they'll sell it to you for 10 or 15 bucks and mm-hmm. what that does is take away from the quality of an artist because a person who is buying a new home or getting a new space and they want to decorate it with art, they could either go to Walmart and get, you know, 10 paintings for 20, 30, you know, uh, I'm sorry, two, $300, or they can go to an art gallery and get one authentic piece for two or $300. And the average person, uh, isn't really thinking, Hey, I'm going to spend my money on quality versus quantity. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of, just a small example of how corporate America kind of stifled the art world and not allowing the money to kind of come back to the artist. So what that does is artists end up working for these large corporations and painting these paintings that are going to get photocopied over and over again and framed in, in these large stores. And they're only getting, you know, pennies on the dollar for what they're, they're working for. You know, they, they paint a, a painting of an ocean breeze or something like that, maybe for a few hundred bucks. And then Walmart will turn around, buy it, and then yeah. know, print press it, put it in some cheap frames and sell it around the world at five, ten bucks a pop and make millions. You know what I mean? And that's what your friend is talking about, you know. And it's just not fair because what did they do? You know what I mean? What work did they put in besides uh money? And that's what it all comes down to. And that's the unfair part. And that's what WoW was aimed at kind of uh, offsetting, allowing artists to come in and be entrepreneurs and sell their art. Yep. And inside the heart of the community, where community access is most located, as far as you know, walking distance and uh, travel, you know, they didn't have to go far at all because it, it was right downtown in the heart of Springfield. Yep. And you didn't have to go anywhere. You could just go right across the street or right down the street, and you were exactly. already there.
2: You, and you, you know what I like think I is key secret weapon to this, to help every artist out there, especially people that aren't well-known, that aren't, you know, everybody knows their name. Those are the people that are doing okay. I think the secret is our humanity. I think what happens, and it happened to me in the freelance world, is you become to be known as your art. You put your art up, and you don't put the humanity of who you are, the person you are. If you look on any any, any um, freelance site for my business, you have your art as big as life, but you have this little tiny picture, and it's a lot easier to, to feel better, not worry about exploiting somebody when you think you're, they're just a logo or a painting or whatever, an illustration, but if we put our humanity out there and go, hey, this is me, that is the power, that is our secret weapon, because you can't exploit people. it's harder to do, it's harder to get away with it. And I think that's what needs to happen. and having your personality on here is proof of that, right? That's what got me into you, the humanity of, of who you are. I found out who you are and I wanted to help, but I think there are other people out there. We just, I just don't I know it sounds counterintuitive, but we can't let our work be bigger than who we are. I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, I understand,
1: because who we are is where the work comes from. I, I get what you're saying. I, I yeah. really do. And that's something, you know, we were big on at WOW, because you can come in, buy your art, and nine times out of the ten, the artist who you're buying the art from is there. You can actually talk to the artist and get to know, you know, their backstory, where they came from, what was the inspiration for their art, why do they do mm-hmm. art, you know, what keeps them up at night, what makes them you know, things like that, things that make the the relationship personal and the art personal. So when you buy it, you really have a sentimental value and you feel that you've really got your money's worth, you know. Um, and WOW was a space like that because the artists would be there creating. You yeah. Know, as art's being sold in the front, you got all the artists in the back creating the art as well. And you can easily just walk back there and meet them. You know, WOW was an open space. You can walk from the front to the back to the back to the front with no yep. restriction and yep. no matter who you were or what you were and you could meet, and speak and greet, and it was just a really uh a space like no other something we really need again
2: and that's key and i like the fact that you you know got this idea about trying to get away from technology or and get back to humanity because i mean right now it's crucial when we're in this in this coronavirus but I, I don't, I don't, social media is losing that so, that touch, that human touch, and the more we can do that, like, for example, I was just thinking of when I go see, when I go see them, I'm out seeing some music, and it might not even be music that I'm crazy about, but if I hear that person, hear their story, see their face, see their emotion when they're singing, I'm much more likely to buy that CD, even if it's, you know, they're selling it right there because it's that human connection that makes it not just a song, but a story about their humanity. And when you, like you said, when you connect that artist with that, so I think that's really the key that we got. We got to focus on as creative people. I know you're, you're, you're an artist, but you know we're kind of in the same kind of vein. And the thing that I used to do, and I, I, you know, I don't even know what got me on this 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 tat, Chris, but just talking to you, it just made me think about how my freelance career kind of mirrored. What goes on in the art industry And how We got to come together on this Right I think that's key Right
1: Yeah I definitely do too
2: Well Chris It's good having you on today man I'm hoping I get to see you soon And do get some more work And I hope We're going to work on Trying to help you get that space together I'm going to do everything I can We'll set up this GoFundMe account Um you can contact Chris at um, ourjourney.com, dot com, right? To where, if you want to donate there.
1: Yeah, you can donate there, or you could just call my phone personally. Uh, or they could donate through you. Perfectly, okay. use my phone number, or just donate through you
0: uh,
1: would be even be even better. And but like you said, we're 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 gonna get this GoFundMe going. So they'll we'll just give them that, and we'll repost that, and uh, we'll go from there. So and the phone that. number
2: is 413-821-4096, right? Yes, sir. Okay. want to make sure our listeners get that. And, uh, Chris, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And how are you doing out there? I heard actually that, um, real quick, that Springfield has a lot of cases in, of the virus. Is that true?
1: That's what I'm hearing on the news.
2: You're staying safe, right, man?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. got to practice social distancing.
2: Yeah, it's tough, though. It's tough. but Because I, I was looking at the stats the other day with my wife. I pretty much don't watch the news because it just freaks me out more. But I kind of watched the case, and my wife was reading them, and I was hearing Springfield's like the second highest in Massachusetts. That area outside Boston is the only one that's higher, so. Stay safe, my friend, because yeah. I, I want to see you real soon when this is over and we can get something going more and more. And while I'm stuck here, at home, I'm going to work on this for you when I get some free time.
1: All right, sounds good. It was nice talking to you, Bill.
2: Yeah, have a good day, Chris. You too. Bye. Well, that was Chris, and uh, we had a good talk today. I love talking to him. I think... Um, his work is amazing. I don't know if you saw that picture on um, the streaming page right now. You can see the the painting he did. He did some other paintings. He's done some paintings for some famous people. Christian Wilkinson, um, a famous football player to come out of Springfield, and played at Clemson University. Love them Tigers. I'm a big Clemson fan. But now he plays the NFL, and he's done other amazing paintings. But you want to find out more about them, get back with me, and we'll get that GoFundMe account going, like I said, Chris. And I'm going to do what I can to help you out, because it's one love, y'all. And until tomorrow, where we're going to talk about, like I said, we're going to talk about the idea of um, having an open caller format where parents who might be at home with the kid who struggles with ADHD or something relevant and having a hard time during this time, on top of the fact of it being the new normal, it just can be a little more difficult. We're going to open that up to the phone line to let everybody, all the parents out there talk, to share their wisdom, their questions, their experiences, and just let it all out. So that's what we're going to do tomorrow on uh, Hug It Out America Radio. But until tomorrow, God bless you all, and Hug It Out America. Take care.